Welcome to Unexplained Extra, with me, Richard McLean-Smith, where for the weeks in between episodes we look at stories and ideas that for one reason or other didn't make it into the previous show. In our last episode, The New Sphere, we took a bit of a dive into the digital world to look at some of the ways in which the internet might be impacting our way of life, and in particular, the way in which we receive and share information. As explored in the episode, the myth of the Slender Man has been considered by some academics to constitute a new form of folklore, which, due to the rapidity and mechanics of how we communicate online, can quickly embed itself in collective cultures. One of the frequent criticisms of where we are now, in terms of our relationship to the net, is its propensity to fuel and spread fake news and provide a veneer of truth to completely fictitious events. As the internet becomes our public forum for sharing and discussing ideas, more often than not, it is through this portal that we develop much of our sense of the world. As such, as demonstrated by the attempted murder of Peyton Lautner in 2012, what achieves validity online can quickly achieve solidity in the real world. It isn't only since the invention of the internet, of course, that people have behaved and acted based on fallacious information. However, such as the global reach and speed with which information can spread online, not to mention the self-reflective manner in which many of our social media platforms collate the information that we see, never before have we been so susceptible to misinformation. The so-called Slenderman stabbing was not the first incident of its kind, and it certainly wasn't the last. It all started with a text, or rather a series of texts, sent to multiple women by former member of the US House of Representatives, Antony Weiner. Back in early 2013, the then 47-year-old Weiner, who was married at the time to political staffer Huma Abedin, was fighting for his professional and personal life, having been publicly outed for engaging in numerous cases of extramarital sexting. Despite the embarrassment to his partner and the derailing of his career as a public servant, by 2016, the incident was finally beginning to fade from the news cycle, as the far more pressing issue of who, between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, was going to win the presidency that year, held the nation in its grip. But then, in August of that year, it happened again, only this time, things were a little different. By then, Huma Abedin was acting as a senior advisor to Hillary Clinton in what remains one of the most bitterly fought and closely contested presidential elections of living memory. What also made it more complicated was that one of the individuals that Wiener was found to have been sexting was only 15 years old. Wiener was subsequently investigated by the FBI for the offence of transferring obscene material to a minor, and as a result, had various communication devices confiscated, including a laptop, which he shared with his wife. Earlier that year, 
Hillary Clinton, was very publicly investigated by the FBI for failing to disclose thousands of emails she sent via a private email server. As a result, a number of Clinton's opponents accused her of deliberately trying to hide incriminating evidence during her time as a public servant. Clinton had long been considered a shady operator by many who opposed her run for the presidency, but now there appeared to be some legitimacy to their claims. The FBI's investigation, however, centered on the more practical issue of whether Clinton had sent classified information outside of the official channels, either negligently or to deliberately hide it from the official archive, either of which would constitute a federal offense. In the end, however, the FBI dropped their investigation when it was concluded that no offense had been committed. The story, it seemed, was finished. That was until the FBI opened up Wiener's laptop only to find a whole host of further email exchanges between Huma Abedin and Hillary Clinton that had not previously been investigated. A few days after this story broke, erupting from somewhere out of the intersection between the sordid nature of Wiener's crime, his relationship to Huma Abedin, and in turn, her connection to Hillary Clinton, a strange rumour began to grow online. On October 30th, 2016, the following message was published on Twitter via the handle at David Goldberg NY. Rumours stirring in the NYPD that Huma's emails point to a paedophilia ring and Hillary Clinton is at the centre. In the febrile atmosphere of such a bitterly fought presidential election, where so many of those on each side of the political divide saw the prospect of a failed outcome for their candidate as nothing less than an existential catastrophe, at David Goldberg NY's tweet seemed to strike a nerve. Before long, it had been retweeted 6,000 times, but then it began to snowball and gain traction elsewhere, most notably in the forums of Reddit and the infamous online messaging board 4chan. Then, almost as if it were part of some kind of coordinated campaign, another series of emails were suddenly exposed, this time belonging to John Podesta, the chairman of Clinton's presidential campaign. Podesta's emails had actually been hacked back in March of that year by a cyber-spying group based out of Russia known as Fancy Bear. However, it wasn't until late October that 20,000 pages of emails from Podesta's account appeared on Wikileaks, just as the rumours about the apparent Hillary Clinton-led child sex ring were beginning to spiral out of control. Hidden among John Podesta's emails, was a message sent in June 2015 from the artist Marina Abramovich to John's brother, Tony Podesta, a well-known Democratic Party donor. It said, Dear Tony, 
I am so looking forward to the spirit cooking dinner at my place. Do you think you'll be able to let me know if your brother is joining? Or my love, Marina. What was spirit cooking exactly? Some people began to wonder. A quick search of the term brought up a piece of art by the same name, which was made by Abramovich back in 1996. The piece was essentially a cookbook full of pseudo-aphrodisiac recipes containing strange instructions like how the reader should sprinkle fresh morning urine over nightmare dreams or to mix fresh breast milk with fresh sperm milk on earthquake nights. One also encouraged the reader to cut deeply into the middle finger of your left hand with a sharp knife and eat the pain. The work was designed purely as a way to provoke and evoke thoughts about the body. To some, however, its true meaning was something entirely different. Clearly, they believed Abramovich was some kind of monstrous satanic occultist and her connection to Hillary Clinton via the Podesta brothers was irrefutable evidence that something very disturbing was going on at the heart of the Democratic Party. It was Friday, November 4th in 2016, less than a week before the presidential elections, when James Alephantis suddenly noticed a string of strange comments on his Instagram account, accusing him of being a paedophile. Back in 2006, Alephantis and his then-business partner, Carol Greenwood, opened a pizzeria and ping-pong venue at 5037 Connecticut Avenue in northwest Washington, D.C. They named it Comet Ping-Pong. By 2016, Comet Ping-Pong had cemented itself as one of the trendier spots in the area with its raw hipster aesthetic, live music events, and gourmet pizza menu. As revealed in the Podesta emails, Comet Ping Pong had also been touted as a possible venue to host a political fundraiser that year for Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. Alephantis's boyfriend also happened to be David Brock, founder of the media watchdog group Media Matters for America, and one of the most influential figures in the Democratic Party around that time. Confused by the sudden spate of accusatory messages, Alephantis showed them to some of his younger staff members who promptly went online to see if they could get to the bottom of it. What they found astonished them. Due to its mention in John Podesta's emails, Comet Ping Pong, had been pulled into the sex ring rumours too. Alephantis' Instagram had subsequently been scoured for evidence of involvement in Satanism or paedophilia, and so too was the pizzeria and everything connected to it, from the layout of the menus to the restaurant's interior design. Anything from a picture of a toddler standing in a supermarket shopping basket posted to Alephantis's Instagram, to a mural painted on the restaurant walls six years previously, were confirmed as evidence 
that Comet Ping Pong was being used as the key venue for the satanic child abuse. Some even began to speculate that the mere mention of cheese pizza anywhere was code for child pornography. Three days after James Elephantus was first called a paedophile online, hashtag Pizzagate appeared for the first time on Twitter. This was tweeted thousands of times over the next few days and weeks, most prominently by what were later found to be bots running through servers coming out of the Czech Republic, Cyprus and Vietnam. Hillary Clinton would go on to lose the 2016 election, though there has been much debate about the true impact of the reopening of the investigation into her emails only six weeks before the election. Since the margin by which she lost was so slim, many have argued, not unreasonably, that the investigation cost her the presidency. If some were hoping that her loss would put an end to the bizarre Pizzagate conspiracy, however, they would be very much mistaken. Soon, the conspiracy was jumping from online forums to full-scale reports from various citizen journalist organisations like Alex Jones's Infowars, which gleefully promoted the story. One Infowars video, titled Pizzagate is Real, was watched over 2 million times. On November 16th, the online provocateur, often described as an alt-right political activist, Jack Basobiec, streamed a live video of himself visiting the pizzeria, where he then proceeded to film an innocent children's party taking place in the restaurant's back room. Though he found no evidence of a satanic child abuse ring, many praised him online for his supposedly valiant efforts to get to the truth of the rumours. The following day, the website The Vigilante Citizen published an article forensically detailing the various pieces of apparent evidence that the restaurant had links to a child sex ring. Once again, pictures of children taken from James Alephantis's Instagram were highlighted, as well as the imagery used in Comet Ping Pong's menu and branding. An image of two ping pong paddles crossed over at the handle was alleged to be a clear nod to the logo of a blue and pink heart tied together, said to mean child lover in paedophile circles. By then, the truth, if it had ever mattered at all, was completely irrelevant. Just through the sheer will of its believers and the repeated proliferation of the rumours, the conspiracy had taken on a life of its own. It had grown arms and legs, and like Freddy Krueger's tongue lapping out from a phone in a teenager's dream, it was starting to manifest in the real world. It began smallish at first, with simple phone calls to the restaurant, with callers demanding to know the truth about Hillary Clinton and the depraved sex ring. Then came the death threats, Sometimes the phone barely stopped ringing, from opening to closing.
early on December 4th, 2016, 28-year-old Edgar Madison Welch, or just Madison to his friends, woke up at his home in Salisbury, North Carolina, and rolled out of bed. After getting dressed, the father of two young daughters told his girlfriend that he had some things to do, and left the house. From there, he took a 350-mile drive to Washington, where at some time just before 3pm, he parked up outside the Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria, pulled an AR-15 assault rifle out of the boot, and proceeded to march into the restaurant. Inside, startled diners took one look at the rifle, and dashed outside to safety, as Welch pressed on, clearly looking for something. The man later said he'd simply driven there, with the intention of taking a look at the place for himself, but by the time he arrived, he'd changed his plans. Spurred on by the thought of innocent children being sexually abused, he decided to arm himself before stepping inside, in case anyone there needed rescuing. After pointing the gun at one staff member, he continued into the ping-pong room at the back, and then on into the kitchen. One of the many rumours about the venue was that located somewhere within it was a secret room leading to a set of tunnels that were used by members of the apparent child sex ring to ferry live and dead children in and out of the restaurant. But Welch found no such thing. Police arrived soon after, and after a series of shots were heard from inside, they shouted for Welch to give himself up. The man did as they said, walking quietly out of the restaurant with his head on his hands and into the middle of the street, from where he was handcuffed and arrested. When asked later why he didn't think he'd found any abused children on the property, he admitted that, regrettably, the intel he had probably wasn't 100%. The story shocked the nation, while many who'd previously advocated for the conspiracy were forced to face up to the likely reality that Comet Ping Pong had not been quite what they thought it was. It seemed then the story might finally be put to bed. But then, something new came to light. Welch, it turned out, had at one time been a bit part actor, and then, it all made sense again. His strange trip to the restaurant, his arrest, and subsequent claim that there was nothing strange going on at all, had clearly all been an act. Welch, too, was one of them. Unexplained the book and audiobook featuring stories that have never before been featured on the show, is now available to buy worldwide. You can purchase from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Waterstones, among other bookstores. All elements of Unexplained, including the show's music, are produced by me, Richard McLean Smith. Please subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and feel free to get in touch with any thoughts or ideas regarding the stories you've heard on the show. Perhaps you have an explanation of your own you'd like to share. You can reach us online at unexplainedpodcast.com 
or Twitter at unexplainedpod and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash unexplainedpodcast. 